thank you so much for coming and braving the weather. We actually were wrestling with, I was chatting with a number of pastors in the area last night, whether or not we do or don't do service, and just didn't have peace about canceling it, but I want to just encourage you guys. One is I love practicing my drifting as much as the next person while driving, but I'd encourage you guys to drive safely home. There is, there is no shaming those that couldn't make it or didn't feel comfortable coming today. That was a wise thing on their part, so we're grateful for all that are here and all that have stayed home. It is, a, it is a new year. Did you guys know that? Like, did you guys figure out that it's 2017? How many times have you missed that up on, like, checks? Does anyone write those anymore? Or your homework or, or anything else that you have to say the year on? But one of the things the new year does brilliantly for us is it gives us a very, very clear kind of start and stop. And last year, if you'd remember, this is going to kind of challenge you guys to remember through the book that we seem like we spent the entirety of Revolution 22 in the book of Matthew. Last year, at the very beginning of 2016, we were studying through the, the, the Pharisees in that section of Matthew. And, and, I, and I challenged, I had said last year that when we come to a new year, it's a really, really great time. Even though it's another day, it's just another clock turns over, another number that we write differently. It's just, it's just kind of a continuation of what's happened. It really gives all of us a moment to kind of pause and reflect. And it gives you a really good opportunity to, to look in kind of the rearview mirror of your life and you can see where, where things have gone, maybe awry, Maybe where some regrets are happening or where you can see kind of God's hand in in your life. And and my bet is, my assumption is, is that all of us have a little bit of regrets, a little bit of confusion, and maybe some, wow, God, I can't believe you were doing that. Or I can see his hand in this situation. And if you remember right, when you were back in that moment, in that situation, you weren't really thinking that. You, You weren't really thinking, I can't wait for this to be a regret in this chapter of life. You weren't thinking, I can't wait to to see God's hand in this. Maybe you were, but you, you couldn't see it clearly at that time. And so we kind of encourage people to, when it comes to a new year, take advantage of that. Look back. And while we were studying about the Pharisees in the book of Matthew and how Jesus was confronting the, the way they had turned religion upside down and he was returning it the right way, what I, what I challenged, I said that the Pharisees didn't start their little group and sit down. The first ones are saying, we're going we're gonna to hold to God's truth and they didn't start that so that, that some years later they could be the ones to crucify Jesus Christ, the Messiah. In fact, if you told them at the beginning that that's what this little group that they're putting together is going to do, I think that they might have said, you're crazy. Or there's no way. We, then we won't start this group. And just like them, I feel like all of us, we can make incremental choices along the way. Small little steps. Areas that we say, well, it's, it's gray enough. It's, it's not bad enough. It's, it's, it's not... It's not lazy enough. And we kind of make these small incremental choices. And then if we look back in the end of the year, at the very beginning of 2016, you said, this is what I want to see God do in my life. Well, now we can look back and say, okay, well, what choices do we make along the way? And so I'd encourage and challenge you guys that let's make 2016 a year of authenticity. And, and in, all, in all reality, other than just kind of encouraging and challenging that, we didn't necessarily do anything specific, but just tried to keep it in front of our our view along the way as we went through the year. And I've heard amazing things from a number of different people where God has challenged you with authenticity. I had one person tell me this last week, even, that, that what they realized at the beginning of six, 2016 was just how inauthentic they were. And God had to bring them to a, a really humble spot of recognizing where he's trying to call about authenticity. And I defined authenticity as essentially it's just not being fake. But we looked at James 2, 18 through 22, it says, someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And so what I challenge you guys was make this a year where what you say you believe is actually what comes out of you. We're no longer going to walk around as, as hypocrites or, or okay or complacent with the hypocrisy in our lives, but instead live out the mandate, the call in our lives to be light and salt in this dark, dark world. And so we are in a new year. And one of the things I've, I've figured out about authenticity is that I realize that you can actually be authentic but not be mature. Let me, let me prove you this point. I have a five-month-old son. He, Judah is amazing at telling me when he's upset. Okay, he doesn't hide it. He doesn't look at it. I don't have to like, are you sure, buddy? Like, is it really like, tell me what's going on. If he's upset, he lets you know. 14 seconds later, he's happy and laughing. Like, it's just this, you get what you get with him. Like, there's no hiding it. There's no, there's no, well, is there something else going on? There's no hidden meaning in it. I know that he's as authentic as possible because he hasn't had a chance to, to start hiding or ruin that. But just in case you're wondering, I'm, I'm not going to ask Judah to explain to me the Trinity. I'm not, I'm not going to ask Judah to, to, to help me understand what I'm supposed to do with my finances. I'm not going to ask Judah to say, hey, Judah, you know, since you're so authentic, since you're so authentic, teach me what it means to follow Jesus. I'm not going to ask him that. I would argue that you could see a lot of it in their infancy, but that's a whole other subject for another time. And what I realize is that a lot of times, if we're not careful, authenticity can look like complacency. We can decide to say, well, we're going, to be, we're going to be super, super authentic. And so because I'm really, really authentic, this is just this sin I carry around. So everyone knows about it, but I'm not hiding it because I'm not afraid of it. Because I'm, like, I, I've called it out and I've said where it is. And so we can say we're authentically okay with, well, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of a jerk when I drive. But, you know, I'm, I'm working on it, but I'm okay with it. And, and th- that's authentic enough. And then we can just operate as if we have nothing to do or nothing to, to, to strive for. God wouldn't want to sharpen us in that way. And what the, the, the chapter four is going to go into is it's this incredibly brilliant long section of what maturity looks like. Chapter four of Ephesians is where we are. It's, it's this kind of overarching picture that where Paul had stopped and talked about this unity and what was required of the church and and the value of, of us having different gifts and imploring those gifts. And we just talked about last week how those gifts are meant to be building up the kingdom of God, building up the church. And in the middle of this, he, he says this, this brilliant, brilliant section talking about maturity and then goes on and defines what maturity looks like. Here are the attributes. Here's the ways in which this is not mature. Here are the things that God is, is, is calling you to do in being mature. And so my, my challenge for you this year and we're going to try and be a little bit more intentional with it. My challenge this year is where is God calling you to mature? Maybe it's specifically in the areas he challenged you with authenticity. Say, so great, you understand that for the longest time, you've been saying you believe this about purity, but you've been displaying something different. So God has said, be authentic in that. Well, maturity comes in understanding why. Maturity comes in not just not just not doing something, but seeing the value and knowing the Lord and, and, and doing the things that he's called and created you to do. And so there's a number of ways we can go to maturity, but before we do that, let's, let's read in Ephesians chapter four. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. If not, slip your hands up, the ushers can grab one. We're gonna kind of just hit one verse out of this chapter four, verse 12 and 13 is kind of where we're gonna stop, but we're gonna, we're gonna cover this in depth next week and then 
the rest of four in the next two weeks after that. I love that this is here because if you remember, the very beginning of this chapter was walk. Walk in a, in a worthy manner of your calling. Walk. And it's this, it's this picture of as you go about your day, allow your efforts and your work and your, your life be worthy to the calling that you've already been called to. And then he says, in this, he says, be unified in that. There's, there's diversity and great gifts in this, but be unified in how you do this. And then he goes on in verse um, 12 is where we're going to pick up. So he says, okay, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Again, we have to remember that the equipping happens for the building up of Christ. I challenged you last week that if you aren't using your gifts in any way, if you aren't striving to define those gifts or working with people to acknowledge those gifts, are, well, then you're, you're playing a, a part that God hasn't called you to play yet. He desires you to be a part of the body in building that up. It is your role as a follower of Jesus to do so. And so I would encourage you to, if you didn't listen to it, go back to it. Verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it may, so that it builds itself up in love. And so we're going to just kind of camp on verse 13 today. See, he uses this maturity statement to, to, to walk into maturity, to be complete or a mature manhood. That actually, the best way to define that word is, 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 is completed, to be completed. The fullness of Christ is, is, is we've, we've seen this in chapter three of Ephesians, that, that when we operate like we are called to operate, when we operate with the gifts and the way that God has called us to, we actually display the entire wisdom in, of God as a community. And it's a, it's a calling in place. So maturity, Webster defines it as fully developed or full grown. And it's, it's interesting, as much as I would love to say, okay guys, we're gonna make this year about maturity now, go figure it out, have fun. It, it doesn't work that way. But here's the most amazing and beautiful thing. The Apostle Paul, the list, we saw some of it. Part of our maturity is so that we aren't deceived. We'll go into that more next week. But then he goes on and carries a little bit more information about what this looks like. But what we have in the scriptures is the complete way in which we can attain, grow, and strive through maturity. I want to be careful to explain this again. This is similar to the unity that we can maintain or neglect. The unity is ours in the spirit. We talked about that. But ultimately, we can neglect that. We can be disunifying in our neglect. The same thing is true here. We are not going to make ourselves mature. God is establishing us. One of, the, one of the most amazing things ever is if you've ever spent any time around someone that's new to faith, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing because they're like, man, I, I don't know much. <laughs> but let me tell you, like, this Jesus is, he's real. Look at Matthew, the tax collector. Right when he's converted, he throws a party with all his tax collectors to meet Jesus Christ. He doesn't have the theology down. He doesn't have the thinking. He doesn't understand any of it. In fact, he proves over and over again just how far off he is. But as we mature, we can start seeing God work in beautiful ways. And so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to encourage you with three ways in which I believe God can bring about immense maturity. And then, like I said, next week we're going to talk about some of the attributes of what maturity looks like. But before we do so, 
I think I need to talk about one of the biggest issues in the church, and that is us refusing to grow up. See, and the reality is, is most of you in here, whether you've been raised in the church or not, you spend a lot of time doing and going to church or doing things, and so you have this, this knowledge, but it doesn't really translate into action. And so in a lot of ways, you, you look mature, but you're not really fully mature because, because a mature person doesn't just hear the words or understand the words, but, but allows the words to affect their life in obedience. So the reality is, is that we have a lot of infants in the church that know how to shave or put on makeup. We have a lot of people that, that, that look old, that have the lingo as if they've been following Jesus for a long time, but when it comes down to the root of the application in their life and the obedience to it, they are, they are, they are children, they are infants. In fact, the author of Hebrews um, says this very thing when he's speaking about Jesus and, and trying to help them understand the, the high priest order and, and what that looks like. He says, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The one thing we can take from this is there's obviously, there's an issue with maturity in, 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 the, in, the, in the Hebrew church at this point what's going on in this place. But, but what we can also take from that is that he says at the end, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by what? Constant practice. So when we look at the beginning of 2017 or the beginning of 2016 like you had, constant practice would see areas where God has brought about authenticity. You would see areas in which you've, you surrendered to God and said, okay, God, bring about authenticity. And you'd see the time and the working of that. In fact, there have been many amazing stories of that happening in people's lives around here. It's, it's just so amazing what God has done. And maturity is the same. See, some of you, you need to mature. It, and maybe it's specifically in obedience. Maybe it's understanding. Maybe it's community. Maybe it's submission. Maybe it's addictions. God is, is calling us to mature. And, and here's, here's, here's the beautiful thing. He's not saying that in 2017, you will arrive to full maturity. So just get on it right now. This is your year, you got it. No, it, it, is, it is God that will complete his work in us. It is us being submitted and surrendered to it. I was meeting with a friend this last week and he was sharing about how he'd had the knowledge of God and had all these amazing wisdom of God in his raising, but it wasn't until he entered in relationally how all of a sudden it just connected his heart and his head in a beautiful way. And God wants to have those moments with us every single day. A mature person can come to a conversation and realize that they're wrong. A mature person understands that pride gets in the way of what God is trying to do. Maturity is a gift from God, and he promises to complete it in us. So go be mature. Good luck, guys. Have fun with that, okay? There are three, there are three simple aspects, and this is, there's plenty more biblically, but three that we're going to focus in on ways in which God brings about maturity in us. And so I wanted to talk about each of those so that we can understand maturity as a full, and then like I said, we'll dig even deeper into Ephesians next week. Um, the first one is uh, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Okay, this proverb is, is a brilliant proverb that essentially means that you need someone else to be with you. 
you need, you need to be rubbing. There needs to be friction where someone's saying, hey, this isn't, this isn't healthy. Hey, God's word says differently of this. And there needs to be encouraging. This is, this is discipleship. If you are unwilling to be real and vulnerable with another follower of Jesus, you are in a very dangerous spot and you are gonna lack maturity for a very, very long time. God has, has designed us to do this together. He wants us to sharpen each other, to encourage each other, to challenge each other. He wants us to, to dig into that. Iron sharpens iron. So, so this is one of those ones that I think a lot of us view it as if someday when I'm mature, I will disciple someone else. Someday when I have enough understanding, then I can pour my life into someone else. Again, I, I, would, I would challenge you with just the disciples of Jesus Christ. And they did not have it figured out, but they were serving him. And some of you, you've been following Jesus for a very, very long time. I mean, you got the Awana badges to prove it. Like, you got, like, you got, like, everything in place. You're like, man, I got this stuff memorized. And you're just sitting on that knowledge because of fear, laziness, whatever it may be. But, but let, me, let me say this. This should be the year. Danny uh, Schaefer challenged us kind of this year with finding three different people in your life, the, the Paul, someone that's pouring into you, the Barnabas, someone you're doing something with, and the Timothy, someone that you can pour into. My, my challenge to you is, is identify those three people and then start moving in those relationships. Tell them that you've identified it. If you've identified someone as Paul, they should know that, okay? <laughs> like, wait, I'm supposed to be pouring into you. Okay, great, I'm glad you said something, that's awesome but iron sharpens iron. If you want to bring about maturity, if you want to see addiction be defeated, if you want to see your pride be broken down, well, then you need other people. You need to sit shoulder to shoulder, face to face with other people that can challenge you, encourage you, rebuke you, judge you. What? Right? Actually, biblically, Christians are called to judge the fruit of the Spirit in one another, not condemn. That's God's place. It's not ours. We are called to judge in that way. So who is your Paul, your Barnabas, and your Timothy? First way we can see maturity happen is through one another. As we do gospel communities, that's one way to do it. There are a number of campus ministries. There are a number of um, Bible studies happening. You have people in your life. I would encourage you, if you're like, I'm new to the area and have no one in my life, come to me. There are people here that I will just, baptism by fire, throw you in and be like, all right, let's do it, guys. You guys are discipling each other. But don't be lazy in this. And don't assume you have nothing to offer. One of the biggest lies in, in discipleship is that I have to give everything to Mark here. And so if I'm gonna disciple Mark, then he has to have, I have to fully round him. No, it's like, Mark, I got this much for you. Here you go, find the rest from someone else. We do this together. The second way that we bring about maturity, and this is the one that I think is gonna be, we're gonna be really quick to say, oh yeah, I got that. But I wanna, I wanna kind of push on that, okay? First one, or it's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You want to see maturity, you got to understand and know the scriptures. And not just the Awana badges, oh, those are awesome. I'm glad you got scripture memorized, that's awesome. But the, but the word has to be reproofing and teaching. It has to be affecting our lives because what, what happens in fact, James says that the planted word in you is able to save your soul. What happens is that, is that when we understand what the scripture's role is in our life, we can be made complete and equipped 
For what? For every good work that he has created for us beforehand. You, you need to have an insatiable desire for the word of God. And this is hard, and I say that because I, like, let me tell you right now, I have had times in my life where it's like you open up the Bible and it's like, oh my gosh, what are they talking about? This is so messed up and I'm so distracted. And it feels like it's almost a cold, like dead, just words on the book, and you're, I'm not really sure what's going on here. Let me tell you, when I look back, again, in the rearview mirror, I could be obviously very blinded to this right now, which is why I have people around me to confront me. But when I look back, you know why it was dry in my own life? This may be totally different for you. Because I had unconfessed sin or harbored bitterness. When this was most dry, it's when I was carrying around guilt and shame that I'm not meant to be carrying. You know when else this was dry in my life? When I found more value in other readings. Uh, You will read Facebook on a regular basis because you value that for some reason or you're addicted to it. That's a whole other issue, right? If you value God's word, if you believe that it is God breathed out, it is, it is in place to reproof and correct and train us in righteousness, well then, th- then get in God's word. There are so many amazing apps and so many different ways to read God's word. It's, it's, it's kind of comical. One of the, I'll just share my story, one of the best ways that helped me this last year is listening to it. I found a lot of times if I get in and read, I get really distracted and I start studying, which is fun, but then I'm like studying some weird random little thing instead of letting God's word just speak to me. And so each of us needs to, to walk with that. You know how this helps? Other people. But get in God's word. My challenge to you is that every single day God's word would speak to your life. The only way that's going to happen is if you're in God's word every single day. I had a mentor once challenge me this. He said, read the Sermon on the Mount every single day. I kid you not, that entire year I read the Sermon on the Mount every single day for the most part. And almost every week I had amazing interactions. Someone was like, I just wish God would. And I'm like, well, you know what it says in the Sermon on the Mount? I look so brilliant. And it was like one little section of scripture. I didn't know anything else, but I had that down. <laughs> just, hey, you know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, it kind of covers the whole thing. Well, here you go. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, I'm awesome. No, I didn't, I didn't do it that way. That was not it. That was just there. My point is this, though, is, 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 that, is that the Bible is living and active. The scriptures are truth. You've experienced that if you've spent any time with the Lord. You've experienced where you can't believe that, that this is a scripture that comes to you in that moment or someone just shared it on the fly and it, it just hits you in a totally different way. I'm not talking about a feeling. If you're going for just a feeling to understand what the scripture is, you're gonna miss out on the fact that not all of it is a feeling oriented, but an intellectual. And it's poetic and it's beautiful and it's real. And my challenge to you is come up with a new favorite verse this year. You've been hanging your hat on that favorite verse that you memorized when you were in Awanas in sixth grade. It's time to find a new one. Keep that one. That can be a second favorite or in the top 10. But literally, God, speak to me. Where, where are the areas you want to speak to me? One of the best ways that the Holy Spirit can lead us is through God's word. Why would we, why would we limit that? Uh, James, the third one is, uh, this one's the fun one that we all love. James 1, uh, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, God uses trials to mature us, which, which means a couple things. First off, I wanna, wanna define trials here. There are trials that we come across because of our own sins. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I slept with that girl and now I have all these feelings and I don't know what's going on. That's, that's a trial that's gonna happen because, well, you, you, you sinned. The, the, the trials that he's talking about here is actually the testing 
which are, which are trials that come at you externally. So other people's sin, mistakes, struggles. Those are the trials that come at you. That's what he's talking about here. And he's not saying, let me just be really clear. And he says joy. It's not like, oh, yay, my life sucks. This is awesome. He's not looking for some fake smile. But instead what he's saying is, is, that, is that joy, true joy comes out when you understand that God is doing something to make you more mature, to bring about a faith in a brilliant, brilliant way. Trials are one of the areas where we can very easily get stuck and lost and, and scared. And a lot of questions that will come is like, why God? Why me? My, my encouragement and my, my challenge to you is that God uses these trials. In fact, what we find in this scripture and then also other scriptures is that God allows those trials to come before him and say, yes, I'm giving those to my children so that they will persevere. And then he promises to walk with us in it. So that maybe, maybe as you look back at 2016, those hard days, those hard weeks, those sad moments, those struggles you had, maybe when you look back at those, what was your posture in it? I'll tell you mine. Okay, my, uh, my basement flooded two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess now. My first reaction was not, yay God. <laughs> In fact, I was very, very frustrated and it ruined my day and everything was horrible and I started whining and why me and why, 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 why? And it wasn't until I realized like, and people have way worse situations. God has given me insurance to cover this and we're not gonna be in a horrible spot and he's taking care of us. It wasn't until in that I realized that, oh yeah, one of the things that happens is that people really quickly find out what you do for a living when you have to do all that paperwork for those things. And so I'm going to have a bunch of people in my house that are knowing that I'm a pastor of a church. Okay, so I can grumble and whine and nickel and dime and be a total jerk to them, or I can use this as an opportunity to be light and salt in this world. And so I reluctantly <laughs> slowly came around and God allowed me to share my faith with one of the workers. That's not said because like, wow, good job, Brent. But I wonder how many of those trials in my life that I didn't turn that corner. How many of those trials that come across where the Lord says, I'm, I'm laying this before you because I desire a maturity that you cannot get to without this trial. I'm laying it before you and it's hard and you're gonna question me and you're gonna, you're gonna wonder if my authority is still there but, but I'm putting this here because what I'm doing is so much greater than what you see. How many of those moments do we miss because we choose to grumble or whine about our circumstances? I, I, look, I get it. Weather's hard, Okay. What I'm about to say is hard, okay? But it's going to change. And you're just going to complain about the next weather, right? Like, I don't know why. It's like we're in seasons, people. Like, it happens. Some of them are longer and some of them are shorter. Some of them are worse and some are better. Like, it just happens, but it's going to go away. And the end of next week when it's dumping rain and everyone's flooding, everyone's going to be complaining about that, right? And they're going to be complaining about inversions. They're going to be complaining about too hot and be complaining about this. It's like these, these things come at you and you, you can't control them. So why are we trying? And instead of grumbling through them, why don't we just look, okay, God, what do you want to do through us? What do you want to do through me for your glory? So I don't know what it is this year as we get ready to dig into um, the rest of chapter four, Ephesians, but my challenge is, is, is I would ask that you would ask the question, God, where do you want to mature me? The, the band's gonna come up and we're gonna, we're gonna sing and we're gonna worship a little bit more. And as they're coming up, I, I really want you to, if you, if you did your homework this last year on authenticity 
and God spoke to you in those authentic ways? Okay, what would maturity in those things he brought to your light look like? And again, let me, let me just be really clear. The, the line that we're going for is perfect. Okay, I've got to be careful in saying this. Like, we can't achieve that on our own, and we will never achieve that on our own. But the call is that we are to be perfect like Christ. So if you're like, well, I, I kind of matured enough. Like, I really like, kind of like my youngest daughter right now just apparently likes to wear a diaper because she still can, right? So it's like, I just really like it, so I'm just going to keep wearing this diaper because you fools keep changing it, right? Like, it's like, it's like we, 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 we get kind of comfortable in areas and phases when we, we really shouldn't be. And so my, my encouragement would be, God, where do you want me to mature? God, help me mature in this way. And, and one of the, the biggest recipes is going to need, which we've already talked about in four and go back, is it's going to take humility. Because a lot of times for us to mature, we have to realize just how immature in areas we are. And that's the first step. And so some of you, it may mean that God is going to have to break down some huge, huge dysfunctions, some unhealthiness, some, some massive immaturity tendencies. But he is faithful to do so. God, I pray for every individual here. I pray as we look at a new year and we look in the rearview mirror that we wouldn't look back with shame or, or guilt about what we did or didn't do, God, but we would, we would lay it all before you. Confess where we need to confess. Acknowledge your truth where we need to acknowledge your truth. God, would you give us the strength and the ability to walk in clarity with where you're taking us? And maybe as we, we talk about maturity right now, uh, maybe we're thinking about other people that need to mature. God, I pray that you'd break, break us down. Help us to see areas in which we are immature. Um, you have, you've called us to perfection and you promised to finish that work. And so God, we, we anxiously lay our lives before you say work. May we have a more insatiable desire for your word. May we see um, other individuals pouring into us and us pouring into them. And God, may we see your trials without whining or grumbling. Instead, will we step into them faithfully knowing that you are at work even when we don't understand it or, see, or can't see it, Lord. I just pray that this year would be uh, marked by a year where we come about in a mature way that it only brings so much more glory to your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen.